Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I hit rock bottom as a parent, and I have walked through some really difficult seasons with kids, um, but God has been so faithful, and He's carried me through. And so um, that season came out of one of our kids really struggling in school, struggling socially, and um, just getting to the place where we got called into the principal's office and um, they asked our child actually not to come back to school because they had broken the school's code of conduct. And just um, walking through that season where our child then spiraled out and had really severe anxiety and depression and led to um, suicidal um, things that they were saying. And um, just learning that God is faithful even when your world kind of falls apart and um, how to walk that out. And it really changed the way that I approached parenting because I realized the way that I was doing it was not working and it was causing so much stress and I don't want to live like that anymore. Do you worry that you're messing up your kids? Do you get stressed when you think about their futures? Well, today's guest knows exactly how you feel. Today we're joined by Crystal Payne. She is a mother of four and she has struggled with anxiety over parenting for years. She's recently put a book together after experiencing an incident with one of her children. It's called love-centered parenting today. She's going to chat with us about that book, the inspiration behind it, and how we can start parenting from a place of freedom and rest, giving our kids what they truly need to thrive in this world. We're joined today by Crystal Payne. She recently put a book together called Love-Centered Parenting. She is also the New York Times bestselling author of Say Goodbye to Survival Mode and is known widely as the money-saving mom. So most people will know you um, for that side of things, for um, talking about budgeting and money and whatnot. But you've recently released a book called Love Centered Parenting, which we'll get around to in a bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you originally into um, discussing money and budgets and blogging and whatnot. So my husband and I got married over 18 years ago and we had set this audacious goal that we were going to stay out of debt while he went to law school. And um, so we started in on this journey, having no idea kind of where it was going to lead. And we quickly realized that we needed to learn how to maximize the mileage of our money. And um, I had grown up in a family of nine. There were seven kids and I was homeschooled. And part of my home ec was to do the menu planning and grocery shopping and cooking for our family. And so I'd had a lot of hands-on real life experience um, in saving money when it came to groceries. And so I was like, okay, I can do this. And so we started um, saving a lot of money when it came to groceries and then learning other ways to save money. And um, in the process, then found out that I was pregnant, which we were super excited about, but also then I had to quit work because I was so sick. And so I started just looking at anything that I could do to make money online and fell into blogging. And then over the process of blogging kind of on a lot of different topics, on this mommy blog that I had realized that people were very interested in how to save money and how to cut their grocery bill. And because I'd had some experience with that, then in 2007, we started moneysavingmom.com. You've got a huge following now online. I'm wondering, were you like into like extreme couponing and stuff like that then? <laughs> Um, it, it depends upon your definition of extreme couponing, but I would say that definitely, um, I learned how to play the drugstore game, which was really popular back then in 2007, 2008, 2009. And, um, one of the things that I did was, for instance, I got paid to buy a hundred tubes of toothpaste over the course of a few months and then turned around and sold those at a garage sale for a dollar a pop. So, you know, you know, lots of creative ways to be able to stretch our, our grocery budget and find ways to be able to kind of pay for some other things as well. 
So you're also a mom. You're a mom of four. You're also a foster parent. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you do that. I have two. Mike has two. That is challenging enough as is. You know, I think your heart expands as you add more kids and your ability to multitask also expands. I was just thinking about that a little bit ago because we have, so we have a 16 year old, a 13 year old, an 11 year old, and then an almost one year old, and then a nine month old. So the nine month old is, um, we are fostering him and, um, he has a lot of medical complexities. So there's lots and lots of doctor's appointments and therapies every week. And, you know, you, I wouldn't have been able to do that, um, (laughs) if it had been 15 years ago. But as you do it, you just, I guess you get stretched and then you become better at letting a lot of things go. And so I say, I do a few things really well. And I do a lot of things not well at all because I've intentionally chosen to just let those balls drop. Now there was an incident that led up to you uh, eventually writing this book, Love Centered Parenting. Tell us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I open up the book, Love Centered Parenting, with talking about walking into the emergency room and saying my child's suicidal. And really, my heart for this book is to lower the stage right away because if you're going to write a book that has parenting in the title, a lot of times people assume, oh, you've got it all figured out, and you're going to tell them exactly what to do to produce these yeah. perfectly parented offspring. Well. That's not what this book is. This is really my heart of saying I hit rock bottom as a parent and I have walked through some really difficult seasons with kids, um, but God has been so faithful and he's carried me through. And so um, that season came out of one of our kids really struggling in school, struggling socially and um, just getting to the place where we got called into the principal's office and um, they asked our child actually not to come back to school because they had broken the school's code of conduct and just um, walking through that season where our child then spiraled out and had really severe anxiety and depression and it led to um, suicidal um, things that they were saying and um, just learning that God is faithful even when your world kind of falls apart and um, how to walk that out. And it really changed the way that I approached parenting because I realized the way that I was doing it was not working and it was causing so much stress and I didn't want to live like that anymore. What was it like for you when you got that phone call? I feel like there are so many emotions that come with knowing that your child's done something really wrong. And on the one hand, you want to say, well, I'm sure there's two sides to this story. Like, let's hear the other side. But at the same time, there's this shame and embarrassment or guilt as a parent that you can feel. And so I felt all the things. Um, I also felt a little blindsided because we just, We knew that our child has struggled a little bit, but we didn't know the extent of it. And as we unpacked um, things and had multiple meetings with different parents and school administration, realized that it was much worse than we realized. And so as a parent, you're just then second guessing and psychoanalyzing everything and wondering how did we, you know, get so off base and miss this. Now, when it comes to um, that situation, you guys eventually went and and got some help um, and did some therapy. What else did you find out from that? Yes. So I think the biggest takeaway from starting in on therapy, I remember sitting in the room with a therapist. It was our initial session and um, she's sitting across from me and we're just talking about, you know, what our goals are for therapy for our child. And I said to her, I said, I'm, I just, I don't know what to do. Like I'm at my wits end. Um, it feels like everything that we're trying is not working and I know something needs to change, but I just don't know what. And I said, if there's anything that you can come up with, 
as you're working with our child, you know, please let me know. Well, a few weeks later, after some therapy with our child, the therapist called us back in and she called me in and she said to me, she said, I think you're trying so hard to fix your child. What would it look like to just walk with them instead? And that was really the catalyst for a huge trajectory shift for me because I didn't realize how often I was parenting out of this fear of the future. I was parenting out of um, wanting to protect my reputation in front of others. And I wasn't parenting for relationship with my child. I was so focused on my reputation, on the results, on being right when I was missing the relationship with my child. And so instead of then just swooping in to fix everything and preach these many sermons, God really started to shift my heart to say, what does it look like to just walk with my child, to walk with my kids and to just love them right where they are. And so love center parenting, my book really came out of that. And I talk about the four choices that I really encourage every parent to make. And that is instead of working so hard to bubble wrap and overprotect and fix our kids, when ultimately we can't be their savior and Holy spirit, but we can make these four choices to lean in and love, to listen well, to lead with humility and to let go. Those are, those are great choices, but I'm imagining they're pretty hard to put into practice at first, especially uh, listening. I'm more of a fixer as well. And I'm not a great listener sometimes. Yeah. You know, one of the things for me that has been very helpful, I talk about this in the book about flare prayers. And so when there's a situation with my child, you know, I hear my kids fighting in the other room, or I found out that something went down at school, or I walk in and see them doing something that I've asked them not to do. Um, I, my instant kind of knee jerk reaction is to just come in and, you know, let's get this figured out and let's set the record straight and let's tell them what they're doing wrong so that they can do the right thing. And instead shoot up a flare prayer and ask God, help me to love my child, love through me. And what does it look like for me to just love my child right where they are at? And that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences and all of that, but it changes my posture toward them. When I approach a situation with that attitude of, I want to lean in and love, I want to listen well, and I want to lead with humility. And ultimately I want to let go. As as your posture changes towards your kids in in those situations, do you find then that the same thing happens for them? They start changing how they react towards you or parents in general? For our home, for sure. Now, it doesn't mean that it's this instant, complete shift. (laughs) But, you know, if we're frustrated at our child and we're coming in and kind of being accusatory or they feel accused, they're going to instantly be defensive. But If we come in with this heart to really hear where they're coming from, to really understand what they're feeling, it's like they can set their defenses down because they realize that we do care about them. And so it speaks to them at a much deeper level. And for us in our home, it's just completely changed the tone of our home because I'm approaching things with a much more calm and kind attitude. Did your kids notice uh, the change in your parenting once you decided to take this new approach? 
100%. Yes. And <laughs> there was so much stuff that came out too, because I talk about this in the book, how they will, they've told me later that they've been like, mom, you know, I wanted to share this with you, but I felt like if I would share this with you, you would kind of freak out because it wouldn't be according to what you wanted from me. And so I felt like I had to be a certain person. It was like they had to kind of protect their reputation with me because I was parenting for my reputation with others. And when I was able to just focus on relationship, it has caused our communication and our just the depth of our relationship and openness to be just in a completely different place. How do we get other parents to start thinking like this and to change their mind frame to parent in this way? You know, we can't fix other people. (laughs) So I think that's the most important thing. I do think that one of the big things though, is when we're not parenting for our reputation. And when we're not so focused on the behavior, because I think it's so easy for us to just, you know, we want the outward behavior to look good. So when we stop focusing on that and we focus on our relationship with our kids, then we stop critiquing other parents too, because if it's all about what it looks like, then we're going to be very critical and we're going to try to, you know, we're going to say, well, they're, they must really be messing it up over there because look how that's turning out. And I think for me walking through stuff with my kids where, you know, I was the mom of that kid and you just kind of had to let go of what other people thought about you. It's given me so much more compassion and empathy for other parents as well. And to realize that we don't know the whole story. We don't know what's going on and to just be loving and kind. That's the, that's the best thing that we can do. Yeah. Empathy for other parents is great. And a lot of what I was hearing about how you take on parenting now, there's a lot of empathy for the kids maybe as well. 100% yes. And I think so often what we're only seeing is above the surface and there's so much more that's going on underneath the surface. And it's the same for us as well. And I encourage parents, you know, when you are wanting to lash out at your kids to really ask why, where is this coming from? Cause so often it's something much deeper than just, I'm frustrated because my kid messed up their room. <laughs> you know, it's something that we feel this sense of, well, you know, I want to have a child that is organized because I'm thinking of the future and, and it's so much more, or it's something of our childhood that, you know, we're, um, the dysfunction that we're carrying our baggage from that. And that's, we're projecting that on our kids. And so to really ask yourself why, when you start to feel tension rising, when you start to feel anxious, when you start to feel frustration, digging into why, and then keep asking why until you get to the root cause. And the same thing for our kids, you know, to get underneath the surface, what are they really feeling? Where is this really coming from? It can change completely the way that you're viewing things and approaching things when you can understand that. For those who have had the opportunity to read through your book, what has the response been like? Yes. You know, it has been so surprising to me, I guess I didn't know what to expect with uh, having spent years writing about saving money and making money and time management to write a book that was very vulnerable, that shared my kids' stories. It was scary. There was a lot of prayer that went into and a lot of conversations with our kids before we put this out there. But um, the response has just been 
people, you know, my prayer was just that it would challenge hearts and change homes. And they would really help parents to feel um, seen, but also that they would um, have this heart to shift in the way that they parent, that they would no longer parent from this place of stress and burden and overwhelm and um, just carry so much anxiety. And I've just really seen that. And the stories that people are telling me from um, parenting young kids to parenting teenagers, to even empty nesters, how they're dealing with their um, grown children and how it's changing all of their relationships, not just um, as a parent. It's just been very humbling. And I'm just so grateful to the Lord. It's pretty amazing uh, to see, like I'm looking at Canada's Amazon website, hundreds of reviews, almost 200 reviews, 96% five star. And then the other 4% is four star. That's very good. And if you read them, like people are saying like honey for my weary soul, uh, not what, uh, not like other parenting books. And that's a good thing. Um, Yeah. That's just incredible to see a response like that. Like not even a three or two star review for a book is pretty rare. It was very crazy because my other books always, you know, I have people that do not like me at all and they buy my books just so that they can write the one star review. So I keep every day I keep being like, I know they're coming. I know they're coming. Like, and so I'm just, you know, I'm just grateful. There was so much prayer that went into this book. And I just, I wrote it in the middle of having two newborns because I birthed a baby and we brought a baby home from the NICU and had him for eight months that we were fostering and um, just, you know, writing it in the realness of mom life and just feeling like God gave me the little 15 minutes of time to write this. And I just know that it was um, something that he called me to. And so I'm just, I'm humbly grateful for how he's using it. And it's a great book right now, even in the midst of what we're all dealing with right now, Mm -hmm. this chaos, this confusion of this um, never ending pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And for parents to, you know, I think there's so much pressure to feel like you got to get it all right and you got to make the right decisions. And really my heart in this book is to just help parents to be able to breathe a sigh of relief and be like, you don't have to do it all perfectly. You're not going to, but that's why there's Jesus. And so just giving some really practical encouragement for you to be able to parent from that place of peace and joy and rest and let that trickle into your kids. And so that you are just a conduit of God's love to your kids. One thing that I love that you keep saying is that you don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. That is a constant struggle. I'm sure it's with myself and with many other parents out there that you have to be this perfect parent. And I love that you're like, let's get rid of that. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our kids is that we're not perfect. And so for them to see us, we're going to make mistakes and for them to watch us as, you know, we have to come back to them and ask forgiveness when we have um, failed or messed up or gotten upset with them and to come back to them and to apologize and to share with them, you know, I'm learning to, I have to look to the Lord too, and I'm struggling with this and I'm asking God to help me. And so for our kids to watch us, that is going to impact them. So later on in their life, when they're struggling with things, they're going to remember back, you know, my parents weren't perfect. They had struggles too. And I got to see them look to the Lord in those seasons. I'm sure that uh, we can find the book online anywhere. Tell us uh, your favorite places to get the book from and also how we can uh, stay up with your blogging and things like that. So obviously the book is available on Amazon. I believe um, Book Depository, that's another place that they have free shipping internationally. Um, And 
My um, favorite place to tell people to connect with me is on Instagram. I'm the money saving mom on Instagram and I'm very active on there and share lots of behind the scenes on stories and just real life encouragement for your everyday living. It's been a great conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.